gospel according to St. Luke, the 10th chapter. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you've given the right answer. Do this, and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers, who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, take care of him. When I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spent. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. The assembly may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It felt really good uh, last week to be back in the 4th of July parade. It was a wonderful opportunity for us to to be back doing that kind of thing that we just sort of didn't even realize we necessarily missed, being out and about in our community, pushing the shopping carts. The only thing that wasn't good was maybe the heat, but we got over it and and did good work, right? Gathered together, and and I really enjoyed the two-mile walk through the neighborhood. It was wonderful to see those familiar faces, to see how the kids in our community have grown up since we last saw them, perhaps even just a few years ago, and to see the, the levels of joy and excitement on the faces of our neighbors who were thrilled to be out there, thrilled to be celebrating our national holiday together. But at the same time, as we were having this exciting event and celebrating the return, for lack of a better phrase, to relative normalcy, our neighbors in Highland Park were facing quite a different reality, a reality that will forever be changed because of yet another instance of gun violence in our country in our neighborhood, just some 20 or so miles from here, their own parade cut short as long with the lives of seven, but again, many other lives forever changed once more. So I spent the rest of the week kind of wrestling with my emotions, with my response, what, what am I supposed to say, what do I do, and just sort of sat with it all. And it was, it was a wide range of responses I found within myself. Part of it was anger anger that this just keeps happening. Anger that it's literally gotten to the point where I know that this is going to be something I can preach about week in and week out because I can almost guarantee you week in and week out we're going to be in the same position. And it's just endlessly frustrating. And I was frustrated too hearing people talk and get so wrapped up in excitement about restorative justice. We caught the person and this will fix everything but little conversation about, you know, 
fixing everything and little recognition that justice doesn't restore lives lost. But yet, that's all we can grasp for at moments like this. Then, then, there is that breath of relief, the reminder that I guess we're lucky here in Villa Park that it didn't happen to us, at least not this year, that we were safe. And then, the immense feeling of guilt that I feel for even feeling that way. Truly, a mix of emotions this past week as I tried to reconcile all of these things with the all-too-familiar violence that seems to be plaguing our country, plaguing our neighborhood. And it's in light of this all-too-familiar violence that I sort of sat down and engaged this all-too-familiar text, that of the parable of the Good Samaritan, a parable that, coincidentally enough, is actually centered around an action of violence. This was the mind that I took as I sat down and engaged this particular story, a story that at its heart is a simple question, who then is my neighbor? I think it's a good question for us to ask as a congregation, as a community, and perhaps as a country. Who is my neighbor? It's a good question to ask. Because we're living in a moment where we don't always feel safe around our neighbors. We're living in a moment where we perhaps don't even feel safe parading around our neighborhoods. So this is an important question for us to wrestle with. I I certainly believe, and, and Jesus tells this story today. Again, a story that begins with an action of violence of a man who is robbed and beaten and left half dead on the side of the road. We all know what happens next, right? The priest and the Levi come by, see the carnage, and pass along. And it isn't until, gasp, a Samaritan comes by and stops and is good and helps the man. Samaritan, representing a village who just in the previous chapter denied Jesus and his followers. A Samaritan, the other, if there ever was an other to be had. Now, countless commentators have spent countless hours pulling this text apart. And one of the most common approaches that I've kind of realized, the most common thread, is this game of trying to understand why. Why? priests keep walking. Why didn't the Levites stop? And boy, oh boy, do we have a lot of potential answers here. Some say, well, they didn't stop because they feared for their own well-being. This is a dangerous pass all the way, and a man's bleeding out on the ground. They wanted to get out of there. Can't blame them. Or maybe they were on their way to a religious meeting, right? A church meeting, right? And you can't risk ritual defilement, otherwise you can't go to the meeting. And so stopping, touching a body meant they'd have to go and cleanse for 24 hours. And so for the sake of ritual purity, and ritual purity alone, they elected to just pass on by. Or perhaps, my favorite explanation, tongue-in-cheek from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. himself, maybe he says they were on the way to a Jericho Road Improvement meeting. A meeting where they were going to figure out how to make the road safe again. Right? So in that moment, they saw one person hurt, but they said, no, if we miss our meeting, that meeting's going to make sure no one gets hurt again. So the utilitarian thing is to do is to go to the meeting. Don't stop and help him. Right? So many reasons. 
And I think the reason why we like to play this game is because we like to pretend we don't know the answer. Because we like to pretend that we're the Samaritan. Because of course we are. Of course we are. We're the hero in our own story. I wear a cape every day. I do it all the time, right? I live a life. I live a life where I go out and I visit the sick, just like the Samaritan. I go and I march around the community with a shopping cart to feed people, just like the Samaritan, right? We like to think that we are that person. I, I even go as far as every once in a while, I'm feeling really generous, I'll reach into my pocket and give it to someone who asks me for money. Or pull out of my pastoral discretionary fund to buy a hotel room for a person in need. Just like the Samaritan. Right? That's why we like to play this game, because we identify so closely with the Samaritan. It has to be some sort of mental gymnastics and exercise to begin to understand how the Levite and the priest could do that. Until realize I am literally the priest. <laughs> That's a problem problem that I've experienced over and over in my life. Junior year of high school. It was a end of the year, normal day, normal routine. School ends, head down Armitage towards the, blue, the Brown Line Station about four blocks away from Lincoln Park High School, my way back to Jefferson Park. Okay. Walking down the street, absent-mindedly, sort of taking it all in, thinking about all the different things and how if I don't catch the train, I might stop and take the western bus kind of diagonal and pick up the blue line there. Haven't decided yet, but just kind of planning the rest of my day. As I look up and I notice one of my classmates, who I'm friends with, is about 20 yards or so ahead of me, far enough away to where on a hot day, I'm not going to run after him but close enough to where I know he's there, and maybe if we get caught at that red light on the corner of Armitage and Fullerton, maybe we'll talk, but again, I'm not going to rush. As this is all sort of happening, I see a group of three individuals hurriedly walking between us. I begin to realize that their walk is one of great intention. Then I begin to realize, I think I know what their intentions are. As they sneak up behind my friend, before it even happens, I know what's coming next. They are planning on jumping my friend, beating him, and taking their money. A not all too uncommon occurrence in Chicago public schools, but it happens. But never have I been in that moment where I'm literally watching everything unfold. In that moment, I have a thought. I should help him. But then, before I even have that thought, I have another thought. What'll happen to me if I help him? And that's where I left it. So what happened? Exactly what I knew was going to happen. My friend, about five seconds later, is on the ground, being punched and kicked by three assailants, backpack taken, phone taken, wallet taken. Then, only when it's safe for me, do I run up and show care and compassion. Only after I'm sure I'm okay do I go up and offer help? Are you okay? Let me call the police, flag someone down, all of those things. I put out a real good show because anyone walking in saw me in that moment thought, wow, he really cares. But the truth of the matter is, I let it all happen. And I didn't do 
thing. And I don't like to tell this story because I don't like this story. There's a lot I don't like about this story because, you see, I'm not the hero in it. In fact, I'm anything but a hero. I hate it because I didn't do anything to prevent it from happening. Maybe if I just would have shouted out and drew attention to it, I could have stopped it, and I had that thought, and I didn't act on it. Or, or the fact that I had more pity about what could happen to me over what was going to happen to my friend. I pitied myself more than him. Or maybe I hate this story because I'm more Samaritan than good. I'm more Levite than I am the helper. That's why I actually hate this parable. It is one of my least favorite stories in all of Scripture. I hate it. Every time this comes up, every year I got to preach on this, and every year I chicken out. Every year I'm ready to tell this story, and I refuse to do it because I hate it. I hate this story. Because this story reminds me of the time, among many, when I wasn't a good Samaritan. Every time I hear about that road that connects us from Jericho to Jerusalem, all I can think of is the cross-section of Armitage and Fuller. Every single time. And it's enough. Enough to drive me crazy. Now, as I think about it, as I ponder it, I realize that I don't know what the priest was thinking. I can't say for sure what was going through the Levite's mind. I've been in their shoes, but I can't say for sure. But I think I know what Jesus is saying today. And it's pretty clear. It's pretty clear that what he's saying is we need to consider what it means to be a good neighbor. And if our first thought in our mind is, if I help this person, what is going to happen to me? We've already screwed up. Because instead, the question we should be asking is a simple one. If I don't help this person, what will happen to them? That. You see, that is the turn. That is the mark of a true neighbor. That is the mark of pity and compassion that defines who we think we are as a community of Christians in a world that needs that kind of compassion. And if our actions towards our neighbor are only a means of loving ourselves, then again, we've fallen short of that command to love our neighbors as ourselves. Because it's hard to love our neighbors as ourselves if we're only willing to love ourselves. Loving our neighbor means true attention needs to be turned to them. That we need to turn our minds to the needs of others and not just ourselves. And don't get me wrong. I don't think this parable is about self-sacrifice. I think if we simplify it to that, we've missed a great opportunity to learn something more about ourselves as Christians. This parable is not about self-sacrificial giving. It's about community. That Samaritan man models what it looks like to be in community with someone else. To be a neighbor. To love someone with the same love that we give ourselves, the same care and compassion that we give ourselves to ask that question, what will happen to them, not what will happen to me? In the coming days, I'm going to let you in on a secret. We're going to have conversation as a country. You know how I know? It happens every time. We're going to have the same conversation we always have. 
Always happens. Every time. The shooting. How could this happen? Oh my gosh, never again. Oh, we have to stop it. And this side starts yelling at that side. And then we start screaming over each other. You know what happens? Nothing. Until, of course, the next time. Rinse and repeat over and over and over and over. It's what always happens. It sucks, but it's what always happens. It's our reality. It's who we are. So, I've prayed for something else this time. Maybe it'll help. Maybe it won't. But my prayer is, as we're yelling at each other this time, right, as we're yelling, that we take a moment and we ask ourselves one simple question. Okay? And this is it. Rather than asking ourselves, what am I going to lose if we change these things, change these laws or regulations, let's instead ask the other question. What will happen to my neighbor if we don't? And maybe, just maybe, if that's our paradigm from which we have this conversation this time, then maybe we just might have an opportunity to glimpse the kingdom of God, true community, true neighborhood, true love. That's my prayer. Boy, do I hope it comes true. Thanks be to God. Amen.